Good morning and welcome to Simply Politics. It's Wednesday, February 28th. On today's show, the White House aims to limit foreign powers' access to Americans' personal data, while Navalnaya urges EU politicians to target Putin's inner circle. Plus, we'll discuss why Larry Hogan represents the best of U.S. politics. This coverage and more, up next. I'm David, and you're listening to Simply Politics. We start off with a significant development in national security as President Joe Biden is set to issue an executive order aimed at curbing foreign governments' ability to purchase sensitive personal information of Americans, such as health and geolocation data. This move is a response to a growing national security concern. Here to delve deeper into this is Michael, a correspondent for Simply Politics. Can you tell us more about this executive order and the concerns that led to it? Certainly, David. This executive order is a policy effort to address the ease with which anyone, including foreign intelligence services, can legally buy Americans' data and use it for espionage, hacking, and blackmail. The Justice Department has described this as a growing threat to our national security. The order will give the Justice Department the authority to regulate commercial transactions that pose an unacceptable risk to national security, such as those that provide foreign powers with large-scale access to Americans' personal data. And how does this trade in personal information typically occur? A lot of this online trade in personal information runs through so-called data brokers. These entities buy information on people's social security numbers, names, addresses, income, employment history, and criminal background, among other things. Countries of concern, such as China and Russia, are reportedly buying Americans' sensitive personal data from these data brokers. What types of data are considered sensitive and will be covered by this executive order? In addition to health and location data, The executive order is expected to cover other sensitive information like genomic and financial data. However, administration officials have stated that the new executive order would be applied narrowly so as not to hurt business transactions that do not pose a national security risk. What measures will be taken to ensure federal grants aren't being used to facilitate foreign powers access to sensitive health data? The executive order will task the Departments of Defense, Health, and Human Services, and Veteran Affairs with ensuring that federal grants aren't being used to facilitate foreign powers' access to sensitive health data. How significant is this surge in the amount of personal information on U.S. citizens that can be bought and sold online? It's quite significant, David. The concern is that U.S. adversaries are augmenting traditional sources of intelligence like code-breaking and human sources by simply going online to shop for it. A U.S. intelligence report declassified last year described personal data for sale online as an increasingly powerful tool for intelligence gathering by U.S. and foreign spying agencies and a privacy risk to ordinary people. Thanks for that report, Michael. Now shifting our attention to international politics, Yulia Navalnaya, the widow of late Russian opposition figure Alexei Navalny, has called on European politicians to investigate the Western assets of President Vladimir Putin and his inner circle. She made these remarks during a session at the European Parliament in Strasbourg. Here to discuss this further is Bella, a correspondent for Simply Politics. Bella, can you tell us more about Navalnaya's appeal? 
Certainly, David. Navalnaya argued that traditional methods of pressure, such as resolutions or sanctions, are ineffective against Putin. Instead, she suggested that the focus should be on Putin's close associates, whom she referred to as keepers of mafia money. She called for investigations into the financial mechanisms and a search for mafia associates in European countries. What did she say about the current state of affairs and Putin's leadership? Navalnaya painted a grim picture. She said that all conventional methods have been used, including weapons, money, and sanctions, but nothing seems to be working. She went on to describe Putin as the leader of an organized criminal gang and said that her husband's public murder has shown everyone that Putin is capable of anything and that negotiation with him is futile. And what about the upcoming public funeral for her late husband, Alexei Navalny? Navalnaya expressed concern about potential disruptions and arrests at the funeral, which is set to take place in Moscow. She said she wasn't sure whether it would be peaceful or if the police would arrest those who have come to pay their respects. Navalny's allies have accused the authorities of trying to prevent a public funeral, fearing it could turn into a show of support for Navalny, who was Putin's most tenacious foe. What's next for Navalnaya herself? Navalnaya has announced that she will carry on her late husband's political work. It's a significant decision considering the risks involved, but it shows her determination to continue Navalny's fight against Putin's regime. Thanks for the insights, Bella. Now, shifting our focus to the political landscape, former Maryland Governor Larry Hogan is making waves as he vies for the Republican nomination for the Senate. His popularity and ability to appeal to voters across party lines make him a standout figure. To discuss this further, we have Celeste from Simply Politics. Can you tell us more about Hogan's political career and his current Senate bid? Certainly, David. Larry Hogan served as the governor of Maryland for eight years, from 2015 to 2023, and was incredibly popular. When he left office, he had a 77% approval rating, with a higher approval among Democratic voters than Republican voters. This cross-party appeal makes him a strong candidate for the Senate seat, which would break a 40-plus-year trend of Democratic senators serving in the state. That's quite impressive. How common is it for politicians to gain support from voters across the political spectrum? It's quite rare, David. It's easy to gain support from those who already align with your party. But winning over independents and voters from the other party is a much tougher task. However, there are some politicians, like Democratic Senators Joe Manchin and John Tester, who have managed to do this. They both represent red states, but have consistently defeated their Republican challengers. So what does Hogan's popularity and cross-party appeal say about the current state of party politics? It suggests that voters are increasingly looking beyond party affiliation and focusing more on the individual running for office. This was evident in the 2022 Senate runoff in Georgia, where Democrat Raphael Warnock defeated Republican Herschel Walker, despite Georgia being a typically reliable Republican stronghold. Voters viewed Walker as ill-suited to serve as their senator, indicating that simply putting any person up for election will not always yield the desired outcome. What are Hogan's chances of winning the Senate seat? Hogan's chances are promising. He won over 51% of the popular vote in his first term as governor and improved on these numbers in his second term. There's also a precedent for governors transitioning into the Senate. 
Between 1900 and 2020, 153 governors have been elected or appointed into the Senate. However, with partisan politics being the norm in Congress and across the nation, Hogan will need to overcome these headwinds to secure the Maryland Senate seat. What impact could Hogan's potential election to the Senate have on the broader political landscape? Hogan's election could bring a breath of fresh air to Washington and Congress. His focus on serving his constituents, not his party, could serve as a model for other elected officials. If he sticks to his principles and ideals, he could be an effective bridge between the parties and demonstrate the power of service that should be emblematic of our elected officials. However, if he abandons these principles, his positive influence could be short-lived. Thanks for those insights, Celeste. Now, shifting our focus to Georgia, Governor Brian Kemp has commented on the case Fulton County District Attorney Fonnie Willis brought against former President Donald Trump and 18 others over their efforts to overturn the 2020 presidential election results in Georgia. Kemp suggests that the case has become even more political now, following the attention Willis' relationship with a top prosecutor has garnered. Here to discuss this further is James, a correspondent for Simply Politics. Can you tell us more about this case and the recent developments? Certainly, David. Fanny Willis recently admitted to having a romantic relationship with Nathan Wade, a prosecutor she hired for the case. This admission came after one of the defendants, Michael Roman, a lawyer who previously worked for Trump's campaign, raised allegations about the two of them being together. Willis has defended herself against accusations that her romance with Wade presented a conflict of interest in the case. She claimed the two started dating after she hired him and that their relationship ended last summer. And how has Governor Kemp responded to these developments? In an interview, Kemp said that while he can't say much on the subject, given Willis subpoenaed him for testimony, the latest allegations have further politicized the case. He expressed his confidence in Fulton County Superior Court Judge Scott McAfee to make a good decision. What are the potential implications if Willis were to be removed from the case? If Willis were removed from the case, a new district attorney would have to be appointed to take over, which could push the trial beyond the 2024 presidential election. This is significant, as Trump is currently the frontrunner in the Republican Party's primary race and is widely expected to get the nomination. What's the current status of the case? Closing arguments are set to be heard this Friday, but a decision on Willis's potential disqualification is not expected until next week at the earliest. It's also worth noting that four defendants in the case have reached plea deals with the prosecution. That was Simply Politics, reporter James. Thanks for the insights. And on that note, we wrap up our stories for today. Thanks for listening to Simply Politics. We'll see you back here tomorrow.